0: You're listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle.
1: Now for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts.
2: Katie Schwab. Rose Prest,
1: Jamie Ansorge.
3: Stuart Shorenstein. Ken Fisher. I'm Ken Fisher, and welcome to a Beltway Briefing with Stuart Shorenstein, Katie Schwab, Rosecrist, and Jamie Ansorge of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies New York office. You know, sometimes it, it feels like people are getting whiplash from the changes in politics uh, in the roiling the New York uh, scene. We're just getting used to the receding influence of former New Yorker Donald Trump, and the implosion of his consigliere, Rudy Giuliani, formerly New York and America's mayor, the ascendancy of Chuck Schumer to Senate Majority Leader, and then more immediately, the primary election win for mayor of Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams, when a new tumultuous turn of events came, the resignation of Governor Andrew Cuomo. He was facing impeachment for sexual harassment charges under investigation in connection with his management of the COVID-19 crisis and the publication of a book that he did on it. Um, And he was at the peak of his leadership as a result of the publicity that he got during the COVID-19 pandemic across the country. And now he is out of office or will be in just a short period of time. His resignation time to occur 14 days after the announcement last week. When he leaves office, Kathy Hochul, the lieutenant governor throughout his term, and an official from the upstate section of of New York, will become the first woman governor of the state. And she herself, facing re-election in just a year and a half. Most New Yorkers don't know Kathy Hochul, but one who does is our Stuart Shorenstein. Stuart, who is Kathy Hochul and how is she gonna approach this this opportunity? Thank you,
0: Ken. Uh, Kathy Hochul's administration will be a study in contrast. Andrew Cuomo accomplished many things while governor, marriage equality, minimum wage, and was a New York hero that provided hope to an entire nation. His personal failings and autocratic style led to his downfall. A hostile work environment in the executive chamber was matched by open warfare with the legislature, New York City's mayor, and the list goes on. When scandals broke, he he found himself isolated with few friends to stand by him. Kathy Hochul is the opposite. If Cuomo's mantra was New York tough, Kathy Hochul's calling will be New York together. I have known Kathy personally for over a decade. We have had many, many occasions where we have uh, sat down one-on-one and unlike many politicians uh, who like to hear themselves talk, Kathy is a terrific listener and interested in what you have to say. Uh, We spoke uh, just the other day after the governor's resignation. And I can tell you that she is not only ready to lead, but eager to lead. And in the greatest of ironies, a year ago, talk was that she might become New York's next governor because Andrew Cuomo would run for president as many were urging him to do. Now she finds herself in the spot of becoming the governor because of a resignation. Uh, she is smart, uh, gets a quick grasp on issues, is very politically savvy. And uh, while she does not enjoy the name recognition that others um, others may in this state, uh, there's no doubt in my mind, and I think that as the New York Times today editorialized, um, she should not be underestimated. Her name will become a household word uh, within the next few months as the governor, and she will be the governor of, of all of New York. She is all New York, and she will be the governor of all New York. And
3: yes, Ken. Stuart, um- You hosted one of those conversations with Kathy Hochul at our offices last fall talking about the election results then. Um, The economy has been a big part of her portfolio as Lieutenant Governor. Um, Let's listen to what she had to say.
4: Uh, As we all know, the state of New York subsidizes every other state with only a few exceptions and the national economy is not going to be supercharged again until New York State's economy is. and Joe Biden will get that Donald Trump did not see that connection. so I think that's a relationship that's going to be cemented with so these policies will be very positive for us.
3: Stuart, the city is still reeling the state is still reeling from the effects of the of the pandemic. Um, do you think this is going to be a big part of her focus over the next few months? I think it has to
0: be uh, the, the prime focus over the next few months. You have major issues such as returning to school, uh, masking, vaccine mandates. Uh, you have, uh, But you will have a degree of cooperation among state and local governments that we have not seen uh, in recent years. You will have a degree of cooperation with the legislature Uh, that we have not seen in recent years. Kathy was the head of the uh, Regional Economic Development Councils. There were 11 of them in the state. She was the leader of them. So she has been immersed throughout her entire tenure as Lieutenant Governor in the uh, economic uh, revival and economic development of upstate New York as well as downstate New York. Uh, she has um, uh, traveled the state and in, uh, into every single county repeatedly. Uh, she knows more about this state than probably any other elected official in the state. And, and uh, I think that she will be very, very well prepared to lead an economic recovery because she understands so much what the different regions in the state need to survive
3: and to flourish let's listen to another comment she made about that very topic
4: i'm all about new york and it's all about making sure we've got all the resources available to us to be able to fund the programs as you mentioned like economic development programs and and more support for the businesses that are hurting that's the chicken and the egg you know we have to have the money to be able to do that. But we know that the money is not going to be there where it should be in terms of tax revenues collected if they're not up and running. So that's what we're wrestling with. It's going to be a a fascinating session. Uh, I look forward to returning to Albany.
3: Katie Schwab, a lot of the work that you do has to do with the the sort of the streetscape of New York, Um, what New York City is like at the ground level. We're in a funny position now because most office buildings are still uh, vacant, although they're starting to be repopulated. It's unclear how much remote work there's going to be. But a lot of our hospitality, uh, cultural, and uh, service economy is still pretty decimated. What are the kind of things that a a, a new governor can do uh, to stimulate the economy, and, and what are some of the things that a new mayor can do?
5: Well, I, I think one of The most exciting things about this transition is that we're poised to really usher in a new era of cooperation between New York State's governor and New York City's mayor. The fact that Mayor de Blasio and Governor Cuomo could not get along, famously quarreled over sometimes the silliest matters and sometimes really significant and impactful matters, has just been a detriment to progress and to problem solving over the last 18 months, so especially over the last 18 months. So um, I know we've spoken on this podcast before about one of the strengths of the presumptive next mayor, Eric Adams, who recently won the Democratic nomination. Um, one of his strengths is that he actually served as a state senator and understands how New York State works, how Albany works, how the political structure is laid out. I think that um, when you combine this with the fact that the lieutenant governor has this situation made uh, very significant efforts to travel the state, to be engaged in New York City, to attend events, to be really knowledgeable about the um, issues that are facing our city in terms of recovery and revitalizing businesses, I think that this is um, something that's very encouraging about her taking on this role.
3: Eric Adams based his campaign in part, a substantial part, on the notion that his uh, background as a police officer he left the department with the rank of, uh, of captain. Put him in a position to to carry out a, a campaign for public safety, um, often saying that um, that you you couldn't have prosperity uh, unless you had public safety. Is New York unsafe right now? Should should tourists be coming to visit?
5: Well, certainly there has been an increase in crime, and I think the fact that, as you mentioned, the office towers are not filled. Commuters are not coming in. I think that it um, increases a a feeling of unsafety because there are um, the homeless people and others who are on the streets. It just they're more visible, and it leads to kind of an air of fear. I do think overall, you know, the statistics show that New York is still a safe city, and I believe that most New Yorkers are resilient and committed to ensuring that the city comes back. It's been. Uh, tricky couple of weeks with the emergence of the Delta virus, and with many, many employers grappling with how to um, to manage their employees coming back to the office and into workspaces. But I don't, I don't believe overall New York is is ungovernable or that it will remain
4: an unsafe
3: city. I don't, I don't agree with that assessment at all. Let's listen to another comment from incoming Governor Kathy Hochul.
4: We don't have, you're not competing with tourists from around the globe to go to New York City and see the Empire State Building or go to Niagara Falls and take a boat trip or go hike around the Adirondacks. So I've been actually forming just tourism coalitions with the local businesses representing hospitality and the restaurants and the attractions and the downtown businesses all over the state to talk about New York for New Yorkers.
3: I think it's interesting that that this dynamic between New York's governor and New York City's mayor um, is about to change so uh, significantly. Personality-wise, Eric Adams, Kathy Hochul are are very different people, very different um, uh, political backgrounds, very different professional backgrounds. Uh, They seem to have established some rapport. Jamie answered. Kathy Hochul has a history, though, of having been an elected official that I think most New Yorkers really aren't aware of, starting out as a a county clerk up in Erie County and then her first elective experience. Tell us about that and tell us how she's conducted herself on a larger stage as lieutenant governor.
1: Sure, thanks, Ken, and that's exactly right. You know, While Kathy might be a new name to many, she's really been on the political scene since 1994 when she was first elected to a local town board in, in New York. Uh, in Western New York, I should say. In 2011, Kathy Hochul ran and won a special election for a congressional seat in a fairly deeply red congressional district, which really put her on the statewide and national political map. At the time, I was actually working for Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, and I remember hosting a a ton of phone banks for her and how excited we were when she won. Uh, Her and, and Carolyn actually ended up being roommates in Washington, D.C., and Uh, Kathy Hochul served one term before her district lines were redrawn and a Republican took back the seat. But during that short time in Congress, I know Kathy built uh, relationships with the entire New York State congressional delegation, uh, where she was always respected as a very savvy and collegial colleague. Um, After Governor Cuomo appointed her as lieutenant governor, she became involved in the National Democratic Lieutenant Governors Association and rose to become chair of that organization in 2020. Uh, I say this to show that Kathy's both able to quickly endear herself wherever she goes and also that she has more federal and national connections than people may think. Uh, We know President Biden has already reached out to her earlier this week, and I expect that they've spoken. um, And she's definitely been in touch with Senators uh, Schumer and Gillibrand. So while she might not have the same kind of national political stature that Governor Cuomo had uh, at the outset of his term, uh, Kathy certainly has a significant set of relationships that will enable her, enable her to fight for every dollar due for New York State as we try to recover from the pandemic uh, and navigate a host of other federal policy issues, including the salt deduction and other things.
3: It's ironic in some ways that her political career has been shaped by the scandals of others. Uh, not much actually uh, touching her for somebody with such a long time in government. As, as county clerk in uh, the Buffalo area, she tangled with Elliot Spitzer, uh, the last governor of New York, to resign. She ran for a congressional seat that opened up because the incumbent uh, himself got caught up in a scandal and resigned. And then after her election and redistricting, which made her difficult, uh, district much more difficult to hold on to, Um, She was defeated by a different Republican uh, whose own career ended in disgrace with him resigning from Congress because of a a financial uh, scandal. And now she's about to become the first woman governor of the state of New York um, because of the resignation of of Andrew Cuomo. Rose, she has said, Rose, uh, Chris, she has said that She intends to run for re-election, the the Democratic primary, less than a year away at this point. What do you think her chances are? What do you think she needs to be doing? And what does she do politically with the first big decision she's going to have to make? Who is she going to pick as lieutenant governor to replace her?
2: Right, well, thanks so much, Kenan. Yeah, that's the first order of business is picking the right LG to serve alongside of her through the remainder of this term. And so, you know, we're following the, the rumor mill closely and it, it seems clear that she's gonna pick someone from the downstate, a person of color, right? And someone who's gonna let her shine, right? And be really a supportive LG as she tries to shore up her name recognition across the state and position herself well to run for re-election to the governorship. Um, and so we're hearing lots of names floated, but it seems likely it could be someone from the five boroughs. Um, and we've been assured it's someone that will know. And there are rumors floating around. It could be like a Jumani Williams who challenged Kathy for the lieutenant governorship. I think that's very unlikely. I think we're going to be more likely to see someone who's going to come in in really a supportive role, someone who can again, let Kathy shine. So I think that's going to be the first order of business for her to improve her chances. And then the second order of business is really watching how she navigates the upcoming legislative session.
3: We're not used to a competitive New York State Democratic primary where upstate and downstate um, contribute in different ways than when we're just talking about New York City, um, Ed Koch famously got into trouble uh, when he was running for governor for, for badmouthing um, upstate New York. Um, the political dynamic is, though, that power is concentrated in the five boroughs and the immediate suburbs. But there are some estimates that in a statewide Democratic primary, uh, the upstate vote could be anywhere from from you know, 20 to 35 percent. Within that constituency, um, the uh, African-American contribution has grown in significance, as we see by the fact that New York City has elected its second African-American mayor, Jumaane Williams, the public advocate, as you mentioned, uh, African-American. Tish James, also from Brooklyn, um, the state attorney general, African-American. She needs to hold on to some part of that base that was Andrew Cuomo's. She needs to balance ideologically in a way that she doesn't alienate the more conservative voters upstate. That's a that's a pretty thin tightrope, isn't it, Rose?
2: Oh, it's it's impossibly thin. Right. It's so that's and that's just talking about the lieutenant governor selection. Right. We It gets even more tricky when you start thinking about how she navigates the legislative session where already she's getting pushed from the left to demonstrate that she has the progressive chops that they're looking for in her very first press conference where she was sort of like laying out her very nascent plans for the transition. One of the early questions from a reporter from the city was what about your history opposing um, providing driver's licenses to undocumented individuals living in New York, Um, which is an issue Kathy initially opposed and then later has come along to wholeheartedly adopt. And we're seeing this, uh, you know, play out in in both the questions she's getting directly and the media reports, right, the progressive left is pushing for her to demonstrate like she's um, she's going to be able to lead this the state forward. And at the same time, she doesn't she cannot alienate her core voters in Western New York. Right, She's Buffalo elected official Buffalo person. She needs to be able to keep those votes shored up while continuing to appeal to some of these newer voters who are just getting to know her. Yeah, Jamie, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this.
1: No, I mean you're absolutely right, Rose. And this, you know, legislative session beginning in January, meeting you know in advance of a primary in June, will be a huge uh, test for her. And I think the biggest difference will difference will be uh, instead of having a Governor Cuomo who kind of relished in being a counterbalance to the legislature and threatening vetoes, um, you know, a Governor Hochul will really be in a position especially with a supermajority in both houses where she's you know, going to have to uh, work with the legislature and may uh, need to you know, allow through and support uh, far more progressive uh, policy uh, proposals than she otherwise might be uh, inclined to support as a more moderate Democrat from, from Western New York.
5: If I could just weigh in a little bit, I, I think that her history demonstrates and her background demonstrates that she has the capacity to do that. She's the granddaughter of immigrants. Her father was a steel worker and a union organizer. Even if you look at what she's done in running the regional economic development councils, one of her initiatives was to um, require and encourage all of the applicants to ensure that they're addressing childcare in their application. So I think that in her own kind of understated way, she has been um, enmeshed in a lot of the issues that the progressives care about. And I think that will actually really empower her to find some common ground and maybe avoid some of the bruising battles that have been so characteristic of, of politics in the last couple of years and just so exhausting, not only for the players, but for the public. I
0: think, I think that the, um, the, uh, I, I agree with Katie completely and in, in that, uh, she has the wherewithal to navigate these very, very tricky waters. Um, she also has the power of the budget and, uh, the governor will be preparing the budget, uh, this fall. Uh, that enables her to win many, many friends across the state. And in terms of the supermajority, Remember, a lot of that supermajority is comprised of people upstate. Uh, There isn't a supermajority of downstate legislators or progressive legislators. So I think that she could take some comfort that people will have her back in terms of uh, the threats that were there for Governor Cuomo, who had no friends in the legislature. Uh, Kathy Hochul has a tremendous number of friends in the legislature. And and I think it will be a very different dynamic that will play out. Um, The attorney general and others don't have the power of the budget and don't have the power of legislation that they can introduce. And and as I said, her name will become ubiquitous uh, over the next uh, six to nine months as she's interviewed everywhere, seen with the president, seen. Uh, in many, many uh, leadership uh,
3: uh, areas and and with with many leaders uh, from across the country. Stuart, um, Andrew Cuomo had a single-minded um, determination uh, to build big infrastructure projects. <clears throat> you might even call it a, an edifice complex, uh, whether it was Moynihan <laughs> Station, rebuilding the airports, a new Tappan Zee bridge that he had named after his father and, and others. There are still some very big infrastructure projects that are underway. Um, do you think that, that she's going to have either the interest or the bandwidth to continue pushing those? Does she leave it to the Port Authority, the MTA and, and other agencies to just continue what they're doing and she'll get to it in a second term? Where do you think infrastructure is on her list? I think infrastructure um, will be significant,
0: uh, but maybe in some different ways. Uh, clearly, bridges and and roads upstate need repair, and I think she's going to be very, very interested in 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 those in those areas. I think she's going to be interested in uh, in in accelerating tax revenues through new opportunities, such as in cannabis and, and sports betting, uh, to help alleviate the, the budgets, uh, the budget issues. Um, many of these funds are being set aside in terms of the, um, uh, the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act that just passed the Senate. Uh, if it does not pass the House and does not become law, it becomes a moot point. There won't be money for many of these infrastructure projects, but we certainly hope there will be money for Gateway and for MTA development and help uh, that is sorely needed. So I think that you can't ignore infrastructure. You can't ignore its importance to um, economic development. You can't ignore it in terms of the construction industry. Uh, It will be, prime, but new initiatives may await completion of existing uh,
3: projects. Katie, there are large parts of the government that operate um, independently of the governor's office, but are hardly autonomous, because he controls the uh, appointment of the chief executive officer. And um, either all or or most of the, the boards. Um, I think this is going to send a message to New York about her willingness to be accountable for, for some of these. Let's take the MTA. Andrew Cuomo um, tightly controlled uh, the MTA to the point of going down and, and forcing a redesign of the L-trained um, rehabilitation project at the at the last minute after walking the tunnels himself uh-huh. was experts that he had recruited. at the same time, he maintained that he had nothing to do with the MTA and it was uh, up to their board to to run the place. So I think that it, kathy, Kathy faces a situation now where if she keeps Janeno Lieber, the acting um, uh, chair of the MTA, Uh, She's taking ownership of the of the MTA in that action. Of course, if she replaces him, she's taking even more ownership of it. So talk a little bit about the relationship of these these off budget um, authorities and agencies uh, for a new governor. The
5: the MTA, it seems to me, is especially fraught with peril. It has in the the city, you know, the transit system within the city has been decimated by the pandemic and by the lack of of ridership and the the other challenges that have been placed on it by needs of people um, who need social services and so on. So I think this is going to be one of her biggest challenges to date. I, I can't say with certainty what I think exactly that she will do, but I suspect that she will, um, as we've been saying, look for a less divisive strategy to approach it. I don't think it will be a kind of singular I'm going to step in and be the governor when, you know, there's a ribbon cutting and let it be someone else's problem elsewhere. There have been interesting over the last few years where, you know various city officials have stepped up and said we should run the the transit system because it affects us and it shouldn't be left in the hands of Albany um those those cries have fallen by the wayside a bit given the financial straits that have you know overcome us in the last year or so but I think that what she will do is approach this again in a more collaborative way and perhaps bring stakeholders, as the MTA was intended to do, from other areas of um, the state, you know, from the, the counties outside the state that also are served. And similarly with the Port Authority, I mean... I don't think anyone really should take away the credit that the governor is due for some of the really transformative projects that have taken place under his leadership, LaGuardia Airport being particularly notable. But, um, you know, in a way that's, that's handing her a gift, it's a fresh start and, and a good place to sort of embark on relaunching tourism and, and saying New York is here and, and let's, you know, move forward in a positive way.
3: As a longtime observer of the, uh, of the MTA um, I have told several chairs that their most important job was to raise the fare and get fired by the governor just before the reelection. Um,
1: <laughs> some of them have learned that lesson the, the, the hard way. Jamie. Yeah, well, just a bigger point on that. I mean, you know, people are saying that that maybe and to some extent, hopefully this is the end of the imperial governorship of New York, where you know Andrew Cuomo was kind of famous for requiring every decision of every agency to go through his hand personally and or his inner circle. Um, and that the agency's hands were tied and he's famous for micromanaging and, uh, you know, it created this in, you know, somewhat dysfunctional, highly politicized, um, environment. And I I just don't think that's Kathy's style. I think Kathy, you know, trusts the people around her. She'll delegate responsibility. And hopefully, I don't remember where I read this, but hopefully make people in Albany want to go to work again um, and, you know, really change that dynamic and create a much more functional, decentralized uh, government in Albany. Yeah, you know, yes, she's going to need all the ribbon cuttings and pictures, uh, you know, and, and 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 big wins possible in order to win the election. But I think, you know, Kathy's going to bring a really a breath of fresh air to the entire uh, state government. And I think people are very excited about that.
3: Rose, we are in the birthplace of the women's suffrage movement, but it took until now for there to be a woman governor. Um, We do have a United States Senator, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, um, although she was appointed initially to her position, similar to the way Kathy is gonna become the governor. Um, Our favorite daughter, Hillary Clinton, uh, came close, but didn't make it quite to the presidency. Um, but Tish James, uh, woman attorney general, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, the majority leader of the state Senate, uh, Catherine Garcia came very close to winning the primary election for mayor, um, and now Kathy, Kathy Hochul. Do we expect a different tone because of her gender, and do we see a different dynamic in electoral politics? as women step up into these positions of authority and power?
2: I'm always reluctant to say that because she's a woman, she has a different tone or approach to governing, right? I think she has a different tone or approach to governing because that's her individual personality, right? And more about her approach to engaging with people and to leadership than about the fact that she happens to be a woman. So I, I, I always, and I, you know, even if you look at her approach versus Tish James's approach or her approach versus Catherine Garcia's approach. Like they all have different approaches to leadership and you certainly can find women who have a more autocratic approach, like similar to what we saw from the from Cuomo. So I, I know that's not what you're suggesting but it is something that we hear quite a bit in, in the press is like, are we gonna see sort of like a softer approach from a woman in charge? And I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I think people will be surprised when they begin working with Kathy, to see that she is such a deft negotiator. I don't think she's someone who can be rolled easily. I wouldn't mistake her collegiality or her willingness to collaborate um, as as a sign of weakness or, like, easy to be overpowered in a negotiation. So she'll be, I think, a formidable um, uh, advocate for the issues that she cares about, um, especially when she's going toe-to-toe with the legislature on some of the issues where they're really not going to be able to meet in the middle
0: I I agree with that completely, Rose. Uh, uh, I think you you hit it right nail right on the head. Uh, Kathy knows the processes. Uh, She's not a stranger to Albany or to the New York legislature or to the people. Uh, I think she will be a very, very adept negotiator uh, with a different style. Maybe a little less vinegar, maybe a little more honey, but getting what she wants at the end of the day. And I think that's what um, will determine her success or failure. As I I said to her when we talked two days ago, uh, leave the politics aside and govern. If you govern well, the people will reward you. And if you don't govern well, all the politics won't help you. And I think that she has a, an appreciation of that message because she is, um, uh, she, she's benefited um, all the way through, it, it, even to the extent of wondering whether she should uh, look to run for another term as lieutenant governor. Uh, she had the opportunity to run for Congress last year uh, in, a, in a special election. And she passed that by, even though it was her old seat. Uh, And now she's been rewarded by having made a terrific judgment, uh, even if you couldn't quite foresee how it would be
3: such a terrific judgment. Jamie, many of the elected officials that first called for Cuomo's resignation when the um, allegations of sexual harassment of his staff members first surfaced before the investigation um, were younger members uh, elected more recently in some cases, some a little bit more uh, more veteran. this di- uh, generational shift in politics does that does that pose a threat to her that she doesn't necessarily get the benefit of the doubt from
1: younger and more ambitious polls? It's a good question, Ken. I mean, you know, to Kathy's credit, I mean she has done a lot of work kind of at the retail level, um, going to events, building relationships, um, with, uh, young, you know, rising political leaders, especially in downstate, um, where she's made a lot of friends. Um, you know, I think her attachment to the Cuomo administration, um, you know, put, you know, kind of puts her at least at the outset at odds with, uh, some of the the more progressive members of the legislature. Um, we know people like, you know, Alessandra Biagi has been, you know, they've been rumored to be considering a run, but now that, uh, Cuomo has stepped down, it's unclear whether that'll happen or not, but that will be one of her top challenges is can she win over the kind of younger, more progressive downstate, um, you know, uh, caucus, um, which is diverse in its own way in terms of there's young folks, you know, from, you know, Hudson Valley and Bay Ridge who are, you know, progressive, you know, more moderate progressives. um, And then there are the more kind of ultra progressives. And, you know, I think she has friends everywhere. The question is, can she deliver on a policy agenda that uh, makes those folks feel like she speaks for them? But look, this is a huge opportunity. This is a once in a, you know, decade uh, movement of pieces um, that, uh, you know, helps every kind of everyone. Below move up. And so, you know, everyone is is positioning and jockeying, and, uh, you know, we'll see how uh, carefully and effectively Kathy's able to, to navigate it. But I think, you know, I think her LG pick is the first uh, test of that. Okay. So I... go ahead, Katie.
5: What I was going to say is, I think it will be interesting to see how Kathy political style develops over the coming weeks and months because her style is more understated and traditional in terms of being very personal. She gets, she's very present when she's she's around you. Um, and I think a lot of the younger members have much more of a social media, Twitter-based political style. And so maybe building relationships with those Uh, members, and and those activists will require her to to kind of emerge a little bit more in that realm, and I just think it will be interesting to watch to see if that happens.
0: Katie, I think you're absolutely right, and I think we're going to get an example of that uh, coming up very soon. Uh, We talked the other day, uh, uh, Kathy and I, about her upcoming inauguration, and I think that's going to give a real glimpse at her
3: political style, the kind of inauguration that she will have. Okay, so it's a couple of weeks from now. Um, The inauguration celebration is ongoing. New incoming Mayor Eric Adams ducks into a a private area with the now Governor Kathy Hochul. Um, You all are New Yorkers. You are all deeply involved with the issues facing New York on behalf of the clients that you represent. So I'm going to ask each of you, uh, just briefly, tell us what's the one most important thing that you would want Eric Adams and Kathy Hochul to talk about when it's just the two of them and uh, the beginning of their uh, governmental uh, partnership and relationship? Jamie.
1: I think uh, then Mayor Adams would talk to then Governor Hochul about uh, improving street conditions in New York City. Uh, improving the subways, uh, and bringing economic recovery and speeding economic recovery. There's a lot of different ways to do that, um, but I think those are the issues that I think they'll find the most common ground on. And what better way to start a relationship than finding uh, uh, mutual wins?
3: Rose, um, you spend a lot of time tracking the funding that's been available because of all of the federal money and how Wall Street did. Uh, despite the the terrible job losses in New York, the, the budget of the city and the budget of the state are not as bad as people feared. What's the one thing you would want Kathy Hochul and Eric Adams to talk about that first day?
2: How do we team up together to approach our federal government, enlist Chuck Schumer to continue to advocate for us with the Biden administration for there to be more financial support, the city and the state, as you said, are on more solid footing than we had hoped, but that's largely due to federal stimulus funds. We need to see continued support, and we need to be able to continue to attract and retain high-income earners to feed into our tax base. So that's that's the first thing I'd like to see them collaborate on.
3: And Katie, given all of the turmoil um, with the Black Lives Matters movement, with the move towards progressive politics— um, What's the one thing that you'd like Kathy Hochul and Eric Adams to talk about? I actually
5: expect that a main priority should be education reform and really doubling down on improving early childhood education and K-12 through education, especially in communities of color where people have been underserved for generations. And how do we fix that so that people have opportunity um, going forward?
3: Stuart? Stuart? What do you think is the most important thing that the new mayor and the new governor should talk about?
0: I think um, Eric Adams spoke to us uh, last week about changing dynamic from being lucky to creating opportunity for everyone. And I think that education, as Katie said, is a key ingredient to creating that opportunity, it's essential. But public safety is also vital to creating economic opportunity in the city. We saw in the 70s and and, uh, uh, later in the early 90s, economic opportunity was eclipsed by fear. And, and fear from, in terms of public safety. And I think that that's an area that they can both agree on. They can agree about guns. They can agree about many, many other items in terms of that. And draw on each other's experience. I think you're going to find a level of cooperation that we haven't seen in in at least a decade. and And that that is going to bode well for the city and the state and the future of the people who live in it.
3: I want to thank Stuart Shorenstein, Katie Schwab, Rose Chris, Jamie Ansorge for a very interesting discussion. New York City politics, like the weather, you wait long enough, it'll change. And when it does, we'll be back to give you our insights. I'm Ken Fisher. Thank you for joining us.
0: You've been listening to The Beltway Briefing a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Please subscribe to our podcast so our episodes are automatically sent to you when they are released. The Beltway Briefing Podcast has been produced by Hometown Podcasts and Audio, Washington, D.C.